Welcome to another episode of the Worthy for 30 podcast, where I talk, your host, Eric Tash, with industry leaders who are doing good while doing well. With me today is Leslie Burrell, the CEO and founder of Carefully. Welcome to the show, Leslie. Hi, thanks for having me, Eric. Excited to be here. Excellent, excellent. And just for the the people who will be listening, uh, Leslie and I were connected through a mutual contact through the Serial Marketers community. Serial Marketers community is founded by the one and only David Berkowitz, who I am incredibly grateful for. For anyone who's looking to to connect with like-minded marketers, entrepreneurs, founders, I definitely highly recommend joining in the Serial Marketers community on Slack, uh, 3,000 people strong and constantly and continue to grow. So again, shout out to David Berkowitz. Leslie, as I mentioned, the premise of the show when we first connected a few months ago, it was really around speaking with leaders, you know, regardless of what industry they're in, how they're doing good while doing well. And how I like to start these conversations with, is really to understand your journey into founding carefully. So I'd love to give, get for you to give the audience a background on how you got to where you are today. Sure. So I can talk about it from two different ways. First of all, from my career, I spent 20 plus years working in tech variety of different companies. I worked. I started my career doing software development consulting at a variety of Fortune 100 companies. I worked at a company called ThoughtWorks in the agile development space, moved to Travelocity where I was leading engineering teams, and then went on to work at a bunch of startups, Etsy, Amplify, Ideally. And so spent a lot of time working in the technology world, leading and scaling engineering teams, but ultimately realized that I was burnt out and and it was and wasn't getting what I wanted out of it. I love building teams, I love building products, but I was not fulfilled at the end of the day. And I think that that's why I ultimately decided to leave. At the same time, I was a mom. I was a single mom living in New York. I was busy and and also stressed out trying to balance life and work. And so when I was in between jobs, at, at one point I was taking care of my son. He was three at the time you know, I was trying to figure out how to, you know, entertain him while getting a break. And that's sort of how Carefully came to be. And I decided to kind of put my skills to use and solve my own problems and and kind of dig into it. And that's where that the idea came up for Carefully. And I started working on it back in, in 2016, actually, when I was in between jobs, I ended up putting it, putting it on the shelf when I got another job. But ultimately, that job ended and I, I came to the same conclusion. I still was not happy in the corporate world and decided to go back to working on Carefully, but more full-time in 2020. And and that's where I've been for the last few years. Wow. Okay. So you said 2016 is when you, you found the concept and you put it on the shelf. And then fast forward to 2020, the pandemic, and you decided to focus your time fully on Carefully? Yeah. So I was, you know, I, it was really the beginning. It was in January before the pandemic was really anything that we knew was, was, I guess it was a glimmer in, in some people's eye then, but I didn't, I did not know what was coming when I started working on it in 2020. I was really dusting it off and, and updating it so that it could work. And it was, it was literally Mar- the beginning of March in 2020. I had a, what I would call a beta project product, alpha beta product that I was getting ready to put in front of some parents and the world kind of shut down and people stopped having play dates. They stopped, they stopped having in-person care and, you know, we, we all got locked down. But during that time, you know, I was, I used carefully also to survive. You know, we started doing virtual events. 
we started thinking about how we could use carefully to support ourselves and to connect with others. It was a way to stay connected during that time. Ultimately, my vision for Carefully has always been to connect people in real life, not to be a a totally digital experience. But during the pandemic, it was also a a lifeline for, for a lot of people, myself included, because it allowed me to kind of be productive and to stay focused and, and to be, be working on it and thinking about how it could really help people beyond just me trying to try to solve my own problems. I realized that it had this opportunity to have an impact that was much greater. And as the conversation around childcare really took center stage during the pandemic, because everybody was at home suffering and, and being challenged, you know, I realized, okay, this is a, this is a real problem that deserves real attention. And in a way that, that people are looking at it differently, as opposed to sort of a transactional approach that we see with uh, care.com or with, you know, Bright Horizons, where it's just people paying for care. This is, we really think about it as a way to bring people together and creating community, community-based care options. Mm-hmm. Community, uh, community-based care options. So, so th- what was the insight? What was the, 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 um, the problem you were looking to solve or you are looking to solve it carefully? I think, you know, providing some, some context on carefully its value proposition and how it compares or contrasts to other like sort of sites like care.com? We really think about it as, so we think about community-based care is really nothing new. It's not about paid for care, to, to be honest. It's about people coming together and exchanging childcare. So you think about, you might've heard a care circle, a babysitting co-op, swaps. Those are some of the, the terms that people use to talk about community-based care. It's this spirit of mutualism where people give and receive and help each other out. And as opposed to a transactional model that you see on care.com where you're really hiring somebody and you're paying them for their services. And the, the you know, I always say, but that's what I was getting back to is it's nothing new. It's thing, it's, it's tried and true. It's something that people have been doing for generations in different communities around the world, including our own backyard, but they do it really, they do it to survive because they can't afford childcare. They do it to survive because we need our community. And I think over the years, especially in, especially in the United States, we've become very individualistic and we thought we have to, and, and independent and we, we have to do things on our own and we need to just always, we always revert to just hiring somebody and, and to the exclusion connect, connection and community. And we see that in the news today that uh, that's created this sense of isolation that's been sort of made worse by the pandemic because now everybody is in their home or even more insular. So I think everything has escalated to a point where people are starting to feel depressed and isolated. So, so I think that carefully has taken on even more of a importance because as we build that community and we ask people to help us, we also get, we get benefit from that. We deepen our relationships with our community we, we, we show our vulnerability. When we ask people for help, we show other people that we need help. And then we build trust with our community so that they, we start to give and we start to receive. And that connection is so important, not just for providing childcare, but just for 
just for survival, right? We know that we're there to support each other through so many things. And that is, I think, essential for us as a society. So it becomes, it, it gets, it's got layers to it, right? Right. No, it absolutely does. And, and, you know, peeling back one of those layers, you know, using the, the onion metaphor, it makes sense. You know, I'm, I just want to put myself in, in someone who lives in New York City shoes. I live in a densely populated area. It makes sense. Like I open up the Carefully app. I'm trying to look for other caregivers, parents that I can connect with that can provide childcare to my child or I can and, and, and reciprocate. Can you give some semblance in terms of numbers of people who are using the app and also geographies? Because I imagine more spread out areas like Los Angeles County, for example, would they be receptive to a carefully being available to them? Or it, it doesn't matter, you know, whether it's a densely populated area or a very spread out area? Sure. I'll, I'll answer that in two ways. My initial vision for Carefully was always that, you know, it was a way for people to take this this traditional kind of old school model and, and bring it up to date with, with technology. And that old school model is really about connecting your community for care circles, babysitting co-ops and swaps. And so it might be instead of what people do often today is like you have your two or three or four best friends in a care circle. And instead of that, it sort of helps you connect to your second, third, fourth degree connections. So people, their kids go to school with, but you might not know all the parents at school, people that you go to church with, people, you know, in your community that you know, or that your kids know, but that you're not necessarily connected with, that you're not going to call, pick up the phone and ask them to do a swap. It helps you expand your network to people that you know in your community. That was sort of my original vision for the app. As we have learned through feedback and through conversations and just watching how people use the app, we do see a lot of people coming and looking for their community. And and that's more what you're asking about is how do people come and, and just create a community? And I think that's, and that's sort of what I was talking about. We're living in a world where people just have lost that community and they're looking for it and they're coming here and they're looking for people to, to, to connect with. That's harder, right? I think it's harder and it to, to be, to just come in and find people and connect with them and then start, start sharing care. It's a process, right? You have to find people, you have to build a relationship, you have to build trust. Now in terms of the app, you can use it anywhere. We actually have people all over, all over the world, all downloading and using the app. So if you're going to, you know, download the app and build your build your circle, and you want to go out and find people to join it, you can use it. We've also built tools within the platform, so you can. We have city hubs. We also have affinity hubs. So we have like a single moms. We have a dads hub. Things like that where people can can join public spaces if they want to. But we also really try hard to balance that sense of privacy and trust and safety with that need to build community so that people can decide what where they fit in. And if they want to go in and, and meet other people and build that build that trust, or if they want to invite people into their into their group that they already have some sense of connection with already and then grow from that way. So there's those two ways. But we do, I mean our we have obviously I'm in I'm in New York, so a bulk of our users are in New York. We see users in on the coast, a lot of users on the coast, but it really just depends where people decide to use it. We're, we have been focused a lot on the on the East Coast where I am. I'm also from Texas, so we see a group of users in Texas and then in California. That's sort of where we get little clusters of users. But like I said, people use it all over and it can be used anywhere as long as you're willing to kind of build your community there. 
Right, right, exactly. You know, building, finding the people that you want to connect with, building that community, referring people. I imagine there's a referral engine. So once I join carefully, I can refer my friends who live in my my local community uh, to make it make it easier, make it more sticky for people to come back to the app. In terms of the now that you're fo- you've been focused on carefully since you know January of 2020. Have you gone out to raise outside capital? Is it bootstrapped? I'd love to understand, like, is there a board of advisors? Like, how are you growing the business? Love to hear, you know, your approach to, yeah. So we are still bootstrapped. We did, we were very honored and humbled to be accepted into the Google for Startups Latina Founders Fund last year, which came along with $100,000 of non-dilutive capital which was a huge boost for us to like help us survive and thrive and grow over the last year. And it's a great program for us as well. We've also, you know, gotten into a few other programs. We are in the start.coop accelerator in the city fellowship, which is a public private partnership, but we have been, we've tried to stay bootstrapped as long as we can. We're looking at raising some capital this year, but because of the way we're, we're actually structured as a cooperative, so a platform co-op, which means the, a software-based company that is will be owned by the workers in the community will have the option to kind of have ownership of our platform. And that's something that's really important to me because I believe that there's there are a lot of platforms such as you know Uber, Lyft, all of these platforms that are out there in the world that have tried to to create a better world, but end up creating more extractive processes that actually don't benefit the people that make them successful in the workers. So one of the things that we've done is structured our, our, our business as a co-op. We haven't formally launched it yet, but it takes, takes a lot of work to figure out how we want to structure that too. But that means that we, that we won't, we can only take certain types of investment, but that's what we'll be doing this year. So we're continuing to work on that. We also are really working on getting revenue. So we've been working since August on our B2B offering, which allows organizations and institutions to offer carefully out as a benefit. We know that 89% of workers don't, cannot take advantage or are not offered childcare benefits from their employers. And so we believe that Carefully is a great way to offer an affordable benefit to everyone that's inclusive. You can offer it to shift workers, freelancers, gig workers, everyone. And then everyone can benefit by coming together and creating kind of inclusive type of um, childcare. You, uh, I, I keep coming back to, because based on what you're saying, inclusive and community, inclusive and community, I'd love to get your perspective on what you're seeing. You know, again, you, you started this app, you know, to, then to, to allow caregivers and parents to be part of a community, to include anyone and everyone under the sun. So just love to, again, get, get your perspective on, on the state of childcare, you know, and, and all, because again, the other thing that, that I'm latching onto is, it's this cooperative ownership of allowing the people who make the, the, the app run have ownership based on other experience. So yes, we'd love to get your perspective on the state of affairs that you're seeing in terms of people being excluded and you're making a conscious effort to include people. Well, so the state of affairs, I mean, first of all, there's what's great is that people are finally recognizing the need for childcare benefits at work. People are, are recognizing the need for innovation in the childcare space. And I think it's a double-edged sword. People see the oper- see that there's money in the childcare space. And so a lot, there's a lot more people coming into the space 
I think that the the stats are now it's a six hundred billion dollar industry, and so when when you see those numbers, then you get more people. When I first started, when I first started working on Carefully, it was it was all social enterprises, mostly women, and it was very quiet. Now you see a lot more a lot more people coming into the space and and creating, which is great because you know more ideas breeds innovation. But I think also you have to be careful because you're trying to create solutions that take care of our kids, right? And so making sure that we're doing it with the right mindset. And and part of the reason, you know, carefully is also very much focused on prioritizing the needs of those communities that are most vulnerable and, and marginalized. While it's an inclusive platform and everybody can use it, we really want to make sure that we're thinking about the communities that need childcare the most, which are, you know, black and brown communities, the lower and middle class communities, because a lot of the solutions that are built are still tar- are still targeted to, to those that have money. And childcare is so expensive. It's it's a challenge for everyone. But but the solutions for for the people that need it most are often to say, you know, wait for the subsidies for the government or use the solutions that you have, which we know takes forever, right? Our government is is not functioning very well right now, to say the least. And the subsidies that they get are always not enough. They require a lot of hurdles, which stressed out parents have a hard time figuring out. And also they are often come along with really antiquated technology solutions. So we believe that providing what I think is a wonderful technology solution that's easy to use and well-designed is what they deserve, you know, is what we all deserve. Right. We, we all deserve access to you know, quality of childcare. Yes, I, I can attest that childcare is very expensive. You know, there, I, was, I was. It's funny. I was on on my Twitter feed last night, and I tagged you, and I tagged carefully. Where this this one of these talking pundit heads was talking about the the skyrocketing cost of childcare. How you know there are certain instances where I think this is ridiculous. Where grandparents are starting to charge their kids to watch their kids, which I think is perhaps it is happening in certain parts of the country. I don't know. There's a lot, there's a lot of work that needs to be done, and and you're yes you're you're providing a, a very intuitive solution to anyone who wants to find community and and a, a, a care circle that's community beneficial because again we want to watch after you know I'm I'm busy I need someone to watch after my kids I don't have any help you know can you help vice versa like I know if the shoes the shoes going to be on the other foot in a, in a moment in time so again you're 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 driving adoption of using the carefully platform but I think that the more macro more macro point is that is that there needs to you and you hit the nail on the head there needs more innovation in the space where we don't lose sight of taking care of children because at the end of the day it's childcare. yes there's money involved but it's again the, the primary objective is how do we look after our children love for you to talk about what you're working on with regards to the new the new website that you're about to launch which is around fixing health uh child care correct yeah, so we're actually and so we've been working on this for the past few months. I'm very excited about it. This week we're sort of publicly launching it. It's called fixchildcare.com. Fixchildcare.com is our con- it's it's our content arm of carefully is the way that we describe it. And the goal of fixchildcare.com is really to elevate and inform parents, caregivers, community builders and community leaders about the about community-based childcare, about the stories, about the resources, and just about inf- information related to it. Because 
we we do think that it deserves it deserves attention. And for me personally, I think that a content driven website is much more impactful than tweet sized or bite sized social media. Me and at least the the people in my orbit are burned out from. I know that there's a you know there's a lot going on in the social media space. It's sometimes hard to break through. And and childcare is such a there's so much information. There's so much data. There and and community based care. We really want to highlight the stories that are of the people that are in the community that are driving the change because a lot of this really is about people on the ground that have so much. They have so much going on already, but they're taking the time to support their community. Their their grassroots efforts going on to bring people together, and not everybody not everybody has the time to navigate and find these resources. So we're really trying to pull everything together in this site that's focused on making care affordable, accessible, and inclusive, and highlighting their stories. You know, these are stories not just of the leaders in the industry, but also just the people on the ground that you don't always hear about and and what what they've done that I I find really remarkable and amazing. And I I love to hear their stories. So that's what that's one of the things I'm excited there today, you can check it out fixchildcare.com. And also if people know or or others in their community are are looking to to talk to other people so we can highlight their their stories too. Right. No, that's great. And I'll, I'll include this in the in the show notes when I post the uh, the conversation, a link to file uh, fixedchildcare.com along with where to find carefully. It's available both in the App Store and the Google Store. Okay. So a- a- excellent. So I'll include all those links for anyone who has questions of where to find carefully and to learn more about you know how they can get involved. But what, what's interesting, you, you mentioned about the stories of the people who are on the ground who who make or are making you know community-based care a focal point within their communities. And again, I'm, I'm biased, you know, I live in the, in the tri-state area. You know, I, I, I know a lot of parents with young children. I know how important it is to, to raise them in, in a specific, in a certain way, you know, with, with, I would say like-minded, but more diverse viewpoints of how the world works. Cause again, the tri-state area is just a microcosm of the, of the world around us. But what are some of those anecdotes that you've heard firsthand from those people who are on the ground? Are you able to share some of those just so we can get an idea? Yeah, I mean, I think well, one of the things that I think is really important to think about, too, is a lot of the people like, well, to your point, first of all, in New York, um, a lot of the reason that people live in New York is so that their children are exposed to that diversity. And we do want to make sure that we're continuing to to help our help our kids get exposed to that diversity through their playdates and through the care that they get, at least at least for me, that's important instead of just being exposed to people that are like, that look like them and have the same experiences. And I hope that by connecting with people on carefully, and that's what we always talk about. It's like you, you're, you get a break and your kid gets a play date and that's that opportunity for them to kind of connect with people. First of all, one of the things that kind of, you know, really hits home for me when I talk to people, which is both a challenge and an opportunity with carefully is a lot of people through COVID they're the elders in their community or the, their community in general, because they were either, either died or they left. Right. And so those were the people that they trusted and those. And so now they are without, without somebody that they trust for childcare and without childcare often. And so they're really struggling to figure out how to get back to work. They're struggling to figure out how to take care of their kids and how to juggle things. And, and still often, you know, not 
not really trusting people around them. And so they, when we talk to them about carefully, they want to be open to this new, new way, but still trying to get over the hurdle of trust. And so that's really what we're working on. But those are the people that can start to build the trust is coming together as a community and thinking about how do we, how do we like learn how to, how to open ourselves up and start to build trust again. And it takes time, especially when we have when we've been traumatized over and over in our lives by, by different things. And that's what, that's what sort of gets to me. But what is also reassuring is that people are there. They're having those conversations because there's such a deep need. There's the, the, you know, the trauma on one side and then there's the need on the other side. And so to that together, you have to like, you have to be patient and you have to work together. As you have those conversations, you see people open up and when you show up, people open up and they start to trust, they start to trust me, which means they start to trust carefully. And then as you start to get people to trust you and the platform, then they can bring other people on. And so that those, all of those things kind of work together and, and they start to kind of slowly, slowly move, move towards it. So it's not really an anecdote, but like that's sort of the situation that I think those are the situations that move me the most is the the people that that really that really are struggling and they want to be able to get the value but they're they're struggling against some of their internal internal challenges of life right mm-hmm. yeah and and it's and it's it's funny it's like once you're vulnerable or once you show vulnerability and it's funny in my one of my previous conversations which actually came out today with Helene Knapp who's the CEO of City Row you know as a founder you know, she's talking about being vulnerable, especially with the people that the, the, the other founders that she invests in, you know, because it's very hard, especially when you're uh, and just using the startup founder as an example. And you perhaps you can relate to this is that you have a, a persona or, or, or a persona or a facade that you want to put on. You know, I'm resilient. I'm, I have a lot of grit. I'll persist. I'll do whatever. But it's very hard to, to maintain that 24-7, 365. So she, what she's trying to do is pull that that uh, that layer back. For that 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 early stage founder who's trying to uh, learn, you know, navigate, you know, as they're going, and understanding that not every day is going to be bright and shiny. There are going to be some down days, and there are going to be some okay days, and there are going to be some really good days. So I think the same thing here is, you know, how as a parent where you've lost uh, childcare because of the, the the pandemic, and we're now more more distant, which you mentioned, which is which is very true. You know, the government reported that loneliness is an epidemic in the United States. And carefully again is, is filling that is helping to fill that void using the app and using this community based approach to connect people. You know, so you have that 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 level of connection. But what you're saying is because of that that removal that that caregiver now that some people are starting from from ground zero. Like, how can I build that that level of trust? So you're that carefully organically. It sounds like is allowing people to to join, to, to participate, but also to, to not be afraid to be vulnerable to, cause vulnerability, again, I, I think I'm opinion of one is a fast way to trust. So if there's their vulnerability, like, Oh, I had a, a bad day at work or frustrated. And, you know, once you start mentioning some of those emotions, I think there's, there's that, that reciprocation more often than not a person says, yeah, you know, today wasn't a great day for me either. And and what and then it's like it goes back and forth. It's like why wasn't it a good day? What can you learn from that day? Yeah, and then you know, through that through that sort of that, that level of communication, you're starting to build rapport and trust, which is you know with anything in life, you know everything boils down to to the interpersonal trust, which I think is is great. What what carefully is doing again, it's and it's highlighting 
th- those folks who are, you know, again, who are, who are making that effort. Leslie, before we end this conversation, love for, for you to impart any sort of wisdom, you know, to anyone who's, who's, who's going to be listening, you know, that parent who's searching for childcare or that, that startup founder who's perhaps a little hesitant, you know, they, they have that corporate job, they, they like doing what they're doing, but they feel that something might be missing. So I think it's a two-parter, you know, what do you say to that, that, that parent that, uh, who's, who's uh, on that search for care. And then that, that again, that, that uh, startup founder who's on the fence on going in full time. Yeah. I mean, for, for parents, I think that I would say download the app, start a group, invite a couple of friends and see, see how it works. It's a great, I mean, especially with this, I would say, especially with summer coming up, I was just, somebody just reached out to me yesterday and was telling me how, which I I missed the headline somehow, but 45,000 kids were rejected from the Summer Rising program this week. And so that means there's a ton of students that, a a ton of kids that don't have in childcare for the, for the summer. And so carefully is actually an option, right? It does take, it takes some work. You got to find a group, you got to figure out your schedule, but you know what the benefit of that is? you're building that network. So at the end of the summer, you're going to have a really tight knit group. And I always, I always say, this is something that I did. And now I have that community. When I started carefully, I did not have a community of parents. I had a bunch of, I have a really tight group of friends, but none of them had kids when I started working on carefully. And so I had to find my own community and through carefully, I, I built that. And now I, I rely on it a lot. And so when I first start approach parents in my neighborhood about using carefully, I was also scared and I'm the founder. But when I walked up to them, I really did. I saw this look of relief on their face. I was like, hey, what do y'all think about starting a play group so we can like, you know, not we can all we can all kind of rotate through taking care of the kids. And like all of them that I walked up to had just this look of relief on their face. And so I just encourage anybody that's, you know, that's that's struggling with childcare just to set up a play group on carefully and set it up with four other families and see how it works. And then you can start to expand it in different ways. And it's it's pretty easy to get it started. And, and um, I'm always in the app, happy to help people and always take feedback. And for the founders that are that are thinking about starting on their own idea, I mean, this, you know, work, getting started on a startup is always a good thing because you can see you can see your ideas come to life. Or I started working with a with a group of women and we have. This was back in, at the beginning of 2020. I joined a group it's called Ladies Who Launch. We started this group, and now we um, several of them have you know gotten funding, launched launched projects. They're doing amazing things. I have a sneaker company, a fashion company, a media company, and having a group of people to that you can work with to do that. And on almost all of them are bootstrapped too, so you don't need. The VC money, I'll just say that. I'll just put that plug out there. I think VC, especially like for women that are older, like I'm I'm in my late 40s and like it's just, you don't always have to go straight for the VC route because I think that that can be overhyped sometimes. You can get started with, there's a lot of tools out there to get started. So that's my plug for it. And I'm always here to help with that too. I love helping people get started with ideas. And, and that is why we, we, were, we have you on the show. Again, it's it, those industry leaders who are doing good while doing well. You know, again, you're building this app that's, again, helping parents find childcare, community-based childcare, as well as you're helping other founders who are, who are 
again, tinkering with that idea. So Leslie, I really do appreciate your time. A lot of great insights were dispensed uh, during this conversation. As I mentioned, I'll include links to the Carefully app, uh, as well as uh, fixthechildcare.com for anyone who's interested in learning more. Again, Leslie, very grateful for your time this afternoon, and uh, we'll be in touch. Thank you so much. Thanks again for having me. Of course.